What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Angle of Pursuit podcast, your fantasy football, sports betting, and NASCAR home over at FakePigskin.com. I am your host, Kyle Robert. Follow me on Twitter at NotoriousKRO. With me once again, it's Brian Twining. What's up, Brian? What's going on, Kyle? And I'm sure that our uh, listeners and our watchers can see here we're both rocking some baseball gear as today is a joyous day for us with baseball opening. But, you know, we although we love baseball, we're not here to talk baseball. We're here nope. to talk fantasy football because I'm getting stoked for that season to start. Yep, uh, 100% agree. Um, at the same time, I'm very happy. I have a wall of TVs behind me and with NASCAR, MLB, and some NBA preseason, uh, I will be able to actually start taking advantage of those, which will be very nice. I assumed by now I would have had them uh, significantly broken in and, and had games going uh, consistently. But, um, you know, here here we are. I'm happy we made it. Uh, but, yeah, as you mentioned, we're here to talk football. We're not here to talk basketball or NASCAR. Uh, fingers crossed we win some bets tonight on the NASCAR race. But let's talk some football. Um, and we're going to play an age old question to draft or not to draft. That is the question. Uh, and while you're here, make sure you mash that thumbs up, make sure you subscribe. Um, and with any of these names, if there's, if you have a strong feeling about, yes, hundred percent going to target this guy, or I don't know, uh, you know, or if you just think we're batshit crazy. Yeah, that, that too, which I mean, you know, probably is the case. Uh, go ahead and leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Uh, but we're going to talk some guys with some interesting ADP and kind of figure out, are we drafting them? Are we avoiding them at their ADP? Um, what what do we make of them? Um, and let's start in Atlanta. We're going to start with Calvin Ridley, um, a very interesting receiver. Obviously not the, the wide receiver one in that offense. That's Julio's offense, and so much goes through him. And uh, you know, a lot of targets opened up when Austin Hooper left town, but Hayden Hurst, a guy that you're very excited about, a guy that I'm very oh, yeah. excited about, steps in. Uh, Todd Gurley's there to fill the running back role. They still have Brian Hill uh, to kind of you know complement in some of the pass down. Um, but Calvin Ridley, the the hype train's going. Um, he's wide receiver 16. I'm using uh, NFFC. Um, for this ADPA, I did cross-reference my fantasy league uh, just to kind of get some comparisons. So uh, going about the fifth, fourth or fifth round, um, I can give you some names go, uh, going around him. But let's just talk about him from a, uh, from from kind of off the jump. Obviously, uh, 13 games last year, only started 10 of those. Um, had 93 targets, caught 63 of them for 866 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, that is coming off of the previous season where he played all 16 games with 92 targets, 821 yards, 10 touchdowns. Uh, those touchdowns are nice. If he's going to continue to rack them up, that's going to be uh, make it a, a, a com- incredibly compelling case. But in the fourth or fifth round, like like I guess where do you stand with Calvin Ridley in general um, when it comes to like what you think he can be and, and, and his kind of draft day price? I mean, he's a guy who I think is going based on his value. I I think he's going right where he should be going. Um, Last year, I was a little bit down on him. I didn't, it was hard for me to project him to kind of piggyback his, his rookie year numbers into last year, which he, he did that and he was on pace to exceed those numbers. And I think as a third year guy coming in here, 
Um, like you said, with the departure of Austin Hooper and Devontae Freeman, although they went and they added our boy Hayden Hurst and uh, Todd Gurley, like I don't see Todd Gurley taking up the amount of targets that Devontae Freeman was seeing out of the backfield. Um, I don't necessarily see Hayden Hurst jumping into that kind of substantial role as Austin Hooper, even as much as we like him. With the limited offseason, um, I think you're going to see a, the the familiarity between Ridley and Julio Jones really pay dividends for them in the fantasy world. And let's not forget that as good as Julio has been on a consistent basis, he's also one year older for a guy who's also had lower body injuries. I mean, yeah. you know, you're looking at Calvin Ridley, who he's going as the 16th wide receiver right now. He was the 16th best wide receiver on a per game basis last year. So I mean, he, he's getting drafted right where his value stands and in an offense that is likely going to be passing a lot once again under Dirk Cutter and a defense that even with the uh, the returns of a lot of their young superstars, they're playing in a division now that has Tom Brady running, running the show in Tampa, still facing New Orleans. Carolina, who knows what we're going to see out of them. I think we're going to see a lot of shootouts in the NFC South, and I love Calvin Ridley, and he would be a guy that I would target if I went – running back, running back, even running backs, three straight running backs. Mm. And I, I would I would be more than happy to take him as my first wide receiver off the board. Yeah, I I, I don't know if I can get there. Uh, I, t- <laughs> I get some of the points you're coming out with. Um, and there's, like we mentioned, like there's vacated targets. They have the most of any team in the NFL this year, 258. It's almost 40% of their targets are gone. So there's obviously room for Calvin Ridley to continue to improve last year. You know, the, the last two years, he's basically been like a 90-target guy. Um, it would be good to see him cl- clear triple digits, maybe even approach 110, which, I, I mean, considering, you know, as we mentioned with Hayden Hurst and, and Todd Gurley and some of the other pieces coming in, obviously they'll get their share. Uh, but there's still room for growth. So I like the idea of Calvin Ridley. I like the idea of his potential upside. Um but, I mean, if, if you're looking at the receivers that are going around him, Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, A.J. Brown, Robert Woods, um, all those guys are compelling cases to me, and I probably would take all of them over Calvin Ridley. Uh, at, beyond that, it gets a little more interesting. Talking D.K. Metcalf, another second year, second option. Obviously, the Falcons are going to throw more, so I like I like Ridley there. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I, I don't think he's going to be quite the volume monster he was a year ago with JJ, Jerry Judy and Noah Fant and KJ Hamler and all those guys, which we like what the Broncos are doing. Uh, DJ Chark, Terry McLaurin. I might go McLaurin. I might go Tyler Lockett. At, he's wide receiver 23. Like That range is very interesting. I think you're going to have to really take some serious stands, but I just I, – I like you last year, I, I didn't love Calvin Ridley. Prove me wrong, um, but I, I I think I'm going to keep a, a similar mindset heading into 2020. I you know just like you said with with my points, like I I can definitely see that that vantage point as far as like with the guys that are right around his his ADP of like a Juju who you know he didn't have a good season, but he didn't have anybody throwing in the ball, and yeah. Adam Thielen who is now the alpha dog and no question about that in Minnesota. And he has a great rapport with Kirk Cousins. So, I mean, we, we should expect to see him see probably an increased target share for the Vikings, but it's just going to be the scoring 
yeah. for him. And, you know, we've seen Ridley two consecutive years, seven-plus touchdowns, and if he would have yeah. played three more games, who knows how many more we're going to get. Like, I, I'd prefer the guy in the offense that's going to be trailing more and a team that's just going to be throwing basically, you know, 60 to 65% of the time to a Thielen who's on a team where if they if they get the lead, they're just going to pound the rock the entire game. Yeah, Seattle and Seattle and Minnesota are like that, but you also have the ability to target the wide receiver one. So it's really a do you want the wide receiver one in an offense that's going to run more, or do you want the wide receiver two, but in an offense that's going to throw more, have more opportunities potentially? Um, and then AJ Brown, I think, is a, a guy that if you're looking for wide receiver one with like top five upside, I don't think Calvin really has that. AJ Brown does. Uh, so yeah, I like, I like, I like, I, I don't, I don't hate like. If I can get AJ Brown in the fifth round, if, you know, even if I start with a receiver, a running back heavy approach, and he's my two, like if I go three studs and then I get, you know, a, a, a wide receiver like AJ Brown, uh, a Juju, and then you back him up with a Calvin Ridley, I like that a lot. Uh, but if he's my wide receiver one, uh, I, I don't love it. And it, as someone who traditionally goes wide receiver heavy from the jump, anyways, this is probably where I'm going to start talking running backs and uh, <laughs> yeah. make sure you check out our YouTube page. Cause Brian, Brian and I, after this are going to talk some op- options for uh, zero running back drafters, guys that want to wait at that position um, and, and find later options. So, but uh, yeah, Calvin Ridley, I mean, I, and I think it's good that we're, you know, we're obviously talking it out, figuring out. Uh, I think a lot more people are probably going to come down on your side where he's a guy that they're interested in. Obviously, based on his ADP, based on the way people are kind of talking about him, I totally get it. But I just, Julio is still going to be the so much such a volume monster in that offense that I just have a hard time consistently going to the second option, especially as much as I like Hayden Hurst and I like Todd Gurley and his touchdown upside in that offense. Yeah. I mean, just to, just to stick with Calvin Ridley and go with one more point here. Like I know this is not something that you try to prognosticate in, in fantasy sports or in like all sports in general, but I mean, Julio Jones for as good as he's been on such a consistent basis at some point, he's got, we're going to see a season out of him where he's just riddled with, with nagging injuries and he starts to slow down. I mean, I don't know if that's this year, but I would rather be on the side of when Calvin Ridley like kind of reaches a similar level of, you know, usage in this offense than not be because when that happens, his skill set is enough to be the, the wide receiver one. 163, 203, 129, 148, 170, 157. Those are the target totals for Julio Jones since 2014. I know, I know. He gets 50 more targets. Even if that number, say, goes to 30, you're still talking 30 or 40 more targets. You're still talking a super efficient receiver. And I know people don't love his touchdown because they say he never scores them. But 6, 8, 6 three obviously in 2017 eight and six the key he's a guy that's going to get you enough touchdowns where all those catches and all that yards are going to be so valuable like i i and i guess the, my other question to you is if you start with more of a receiver heavy approach and you look at like say maybe you start julio jones in round two is calvin ridley someone you're willing to to, to grab at that point and have two falcons receivers or are you pivoting off and looking at one of the other names 
hoping you can get a little more upside. I, you know, I, I am not a, a, a bash from looking at teams that are going to be so pass heavy and yeah. a quarterback that could support two top flight guys. I mean, we saw with Dak last year, I would have been more than comfortable rostering both Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. If I wind up with a stack of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you're, you're getting two guys who on a, on a weekly basis are getting you decent floors with one of them bound to pop. So I don't see the downside of situations like that. I would rather go that route than take a chance on a guy, like I said, with Adam Thielen in an offense who's more than likely going to be running the ball more often. Yeah. So I, like you, I'm, I'm willing to approach that, uh, like have two pass catchers on offenses that I think can support two top 15 type options. Like I think, I think the Rams cup and woods are like that. I think the Falcons guys, there's probably a couple more. Uh, it would really depend on price too. Like if Juju is there, if uh, Adam Thielen is there, if Robert Woods is there, I'm taking all those guys over him. But if we're in like the Cortland Sutton, DJ Chark, Tyler Lock, even maybe, I don't think I'm going to own Calvin Ridley this year. I, I just, I look at all these names. <laughs> Marquise Brown is interesting to me. Like, it's when you really get to like Stefan Diggs, Tyler Boyd, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry. That's where I'm like, okay, give me Calvin Ridley. But that's wide receiver 28 to 30. I'm, I'm not getting Calvin Ridley. Um, and maybe if I start, you know, running back heavy and my league is taking receivers, which doesn't seem very likely, um, then maybe he becomes a guy that I, I, okay, I need a receiver. I need that. I need that weekly safety. And maybe I, you know, if I'm looking at, okay, I start with a more volatile option earlier. Um, then he becomes more interesting because I do think he's going to be pretty solid. Like I don't, I don't think he's just going to collapse. I don't think there's going to be an, uh, a thing where the Falcons' offense just doesn't throw. So, like I feel good about rostering him, but I'd much rather have him as wide receiver, wide receiver too. Uh, but I, there's just so many other guys in that range that I would rather take that I don't think I'm going to own him. Let's shift our focus. We'll have to come back to that one because I think that, that will be a, an interesting This will be a, it, It's going to be a year-long debate for that. Because I, I do think he's a very talented receiver. It's just it's hard in that offense. Uh, let's head to Cincinnati. Let's talk about A.J. Green. Uh, going in about the sixth round, uh, around wide receiver 30. He's a guy that interests me, um, but I feel like – I feel like AJ Green is either bouncing back to what we saw before all the injuries of 2018, 2019, and Joe Burrow is going to flourish and be awesome, and that offense is just going to take off, or it's going to be a mess, and he's either going to be injured or Joe Burrow is going to struggle as a rookie or something uh, where he's not going to return this. So either you're getting a tremendous value or you're overpaying significantly. If you had to bank on what AJ Green was doing in 2020, are you banking on him providing serious value in the sixth round? Or are you providing on him underwhelming owners who are banking on his name value and, and not looking at what he's done the last few years? This this is easily one of the most difficult ones that I've looked at because he's currently being drafted around guys a teammate, Tyler Boyd, is going in the same the same area as him. Marquise Brown, TY Hilton. Uh, Jarvis Landry, who's a PPR monster, Michael Gallup in Dallas. Um, out of those guys, though, kind kind of like you were saying, the most upside there is AJ Green. If he's 
if he returns to any form similar to what he was prior to these injury real seasons and last year we are still not certain if he was hurt the whole year or if he was just disinterested in returning um who knows maybe he's reinvigorated this season i think it was they were terrible and there was no reason to rush him back and they wanted to make sure they got that number one pick which they did and they got joe burrow um so i think it was a, a combination of him not really wanting to come back and the team saying, you know what, stay home. Let's get this number one pick. We'll bring you back fully healthy. That way you're not risking, you know, a, a re-injury for a team that has two wins. Yeah. I, you know, he, he might be a guy that I find myself taking if I've locked up one of those elite consistent wide receivers, like the guy I just kind of talked down Julio Jones. If yeah. I matched an AJ green with a Julio Jones, and AJ Green, like I said, is any sort of similar to what he was in in a bad team on a bad team who's going to be throwing the ball a lot probably. Uh, you know, I would love to be on the right end of that. And you know, it's with this whole coronavirus thing and no practice, not being able to develop rapport with Joe Burrow, all that. I mean, that that's definitely going to be an issue. But the rookie is going to be leaning on guys like Green and Tyler Boyd, and the fact that they really don't have a tight end out there trying to catch passes. And the other option is John Ross, who yeah. I'll never like that guy. Um, yeah, I I like A.J. Green, especially yeah, for that price, wide receiver 30. Right, and I like him in a, if I start, like, Adam Thielen, uh, Calvin Ridley. Like, if I start with that bona fide safety and I can take a wide receiver three who has upside, if I don't have to, especially if I don't have to start two, three wide receivers every week, like, I love that potential upside, and I would definitely be interested in him. But there, there is a lot of question marks. So you really have to be willing to, like, not only have him boom for your team, but there's a potential that he does little to nothing for you, misses a lot of time, or is just kind of average and really underwhelms at that six-round price tag. So, you know, it, it, it really depends. But like, like you mentioned, like Terry McLaurin's in a similar range. Hollywood Brown's in a similar range. Like AJ Green or Stefan Diggs, I think I'd pick AJ Green in that scenario. Yeah, I'm taking AJ Green in that scenario just based on the fact that Stefan Diggs, as good as he is, he's he's in like I've said before, a run first offense with both John Brown and little Cole Beasley out there on the outside fighting for the the limited targets that Buffalo already has. Yeah. Yeah, and if he falls into the Michael Gallup, Deontay Johnson, Julian Edelman, Will Fuller range, like I'm taking AJ Green in that scenario all day long. So it really depends for me. Like if I can get him into that kind of top 35 receiver range, um, I, I like him much better than if he's kind of in that 27 to 30. Uh, although there is one other option that I like better um, who we're, we're going to discuss soon because – he, he comes pretty quickly after A.J. Green, and I would take him over A.J. Green 10 times out of 10. Anything on Cincinnati before we, we head down to Houston? I, I've i talked them up. I talked Joe Mixon up multiple times mm-hmm. months ago. Uh, it, it, the reason why I like A.J. Green is just I, I think that this offense showed signs of life at the end of last year. And yeah. Joe Mixon, if he's – if he's involved and if he's dedicated to the team too, he shows that he's an elite talent back there. And I think with Burrow, we're going to see them sling the ball and they, they could be a surprise offense, not a good team, but a surprise offense this year. 
Yeah, and if you know, we, we've kind of talked about this before, but if we're excited about Joe Mixon as a, a first round pick, if we think AJ Green and Tyler Boyd can return value, uh, if we think this offense will be better, Joe Burrow is a guy that you should be drafting uh, late and wow. hoping he can be your QB one. And if he's terrible uh, or the offense doesn't click like we expected to, you cut him and you go to the waiver wire and pick up somebody else um, and, and you roll with a veteran and, and play the matchup game. But uh, if you want a guy with upside at the quarterback position, I think Joe Burrow makes a ton of sense. Yep. Let's go to uh, Houston. Let's talk about a receiver that I've never been a huge like fan of, not because of talent, but just because of draft day price. Um, but I found myself being a Brandon Cooks fan this offseason, and um, I'm just going to lean into it because I love me some Brandon Cooks this year. I think people are sleeping on him. I think the the ADP is crazy. Um, like I, I let me just let me just hit you with some 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 numbers really quick because like I'm looking at I'm looking at Brandon Cooks, a guy who is coming off of four straight seasons of eighty plus targets or eighty plus receptions, twelve hundred yards, like. Big time numbers, top ten, top fifteen type numbers, and he's going as wide receiver thirty five. What? <laughs> I, I know the concussions are there, and like you know, any time, but like so, concussions could hit a lot of players and make them miss a lot of time. So I'll take that value all day long, especially because as my wide receiver thirty five or forty, like he's going to be my third wide receiver at best, uh, probably my fourth, and so I have. All that upside potential, yep. With all the risk minimized, yeah. As you know, he he has the boom ability to be a wide receiver one, mm-hmm. wide receiver two on a weekly basis. And you know, referring to his concussions, he's had a lot of concussions. But prior to last year, he played three consecutive seasons or four consecutive seasons where he played in all sixteen games. So I mean, we're questioning a guy's durability. Who he's only had two years, his rookie season and last year, where he missed time after coming off of like you said, four straight thousand yard seasons and playing every single game jumping into an offense where deandre hopkins happens is vacating 150 plus targets yep and in in a wide receiver room with will fuller and kenny stills and kiki kute who can't stay on the field like this guy i think he's my favorite potential like uh, boom this year in fancy dress and i will be targeting him in pretty much every single redraft league that i'm in 100 as you mentioned 156 targets vacated 150 those are deandre hopkins if cooks gets 80 percent of that <laughs> yeah. uh, you're looking at you're looking 80 plus catches 1200 yards and like seven touchdowns based upon his rates like that that feels very formidable uh, obviously david johnson's there i think he gets involved in the passing game um so maybe he cuts into a little bit of that maybe you know eight games will fuller but like yeah i mean like i i i don't know what i'm missing here and if you are one of those owners that loves to start heavy with those running backs and get you know three or four in your first four or five rounds uh brandon cooks is a potential wide receiver one that's coming in like the sixth seventh eighth <laughs> round like you can get you can draft him you could go four straight running backs, grab a receiver or a quarterback in in round six, or round five rather, and then still draft Cooks in round six ahead of ADP. Sure, you get him, and 
still pay you off, uh, you know, 10 times that with a top 10, top 15 type season. Yeah. And, and to me, I, I just looked it up real quick to think that Will Fuller is going ahead of Brandon Cooks based on a lot of people's belief that he has concussion issues. When Will Fuller has yet to play more than 14 games in a season with only one passing 11. Yeah. How are, right. how are these people missing out on this? Will Fuller know. just cannot stay healthy. It's really funny to me. Like there's a couple players that like, I don't It's like one season or like a handful of games and you talk yourself into this narrative and then you're just like constantly going back to it. Like guys, Josh Gordon is never going to happen. No, Antonio Brown is 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 not like he unretired today. Oh my God! Antonio, Nobody is gonna. Nobody that wants guy. you. Go away. And now Will Fuller, like I don't, I don't get it. I get it. Like, and if Brandon Cooks plays eight games and gets another concussion and goes away, you still got a wide receiver one for eight games, and then you work the waiver wire, and we'll be here to help you with that all year. I, I don't see a downside at wide receiver thirty six in the seventh eighth round. I just don't. No. Um, the last one, I think the last guy we're going to talk about non-receiver, which for us is wild, but here we are, um, is Raheem Mostert. It's been truly a wild ride for him. Um, was incredible in the playoff run, obviously took over in the backfield last year going into the Super Bowl. Um, entered early drafts as kind of a fifth, sixth, seventh round draft pick, a guy that was interesting as an RB 20-something, you know, going as close to RB threes, um, which I thought was a pretty fair price. Uh, and then the, the hype train got rolling, and he was pushed up like crazy um, and was going as early as the third round in a lot of drafts. I was actually looking at some ADP, and it's funny because March ADP had him in, like, the sixth round, and then May ADP had him up into, like, the third or fourth. Um, and then he requests a trade and then now everybody's off the bandwagon again and he's falling back into the sixth round. I feel like at a third or fourth round price tag, there's no way in the world I'm going to draft him. Um, and being in, in the Northern California area, playing in leagues with Niner fans, I'm probably not going to have no. any shit. No. Uh, but if I can get him in the sixth round, you know, we talk about this offense a lot, and we always want to target the later options if we can. But that being said, if I can get him in the sixth round uh, in, in a run-heavy approach in an offense that is going to need to lean on that position uh, with dynamic blockers like George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk, I'm going to have a really hard time, especially, you know, as someone who starts receiver-heavy, if, if I go four, four, four receivers or five receivers or four receivers and a tight end or something, like he's going to be the perfect option just sitting on a platter for me in, in round five or six, and I'm, I'm going to gobble that up all day long. You know, I, this is, this is going to surprise some people, as you and I often agree on things, but, you know, I, I will probably not be drafting Raheem Mostert. I'll be waiting the later rounds to take – a Tevin Coleman or a Jarek McKinnon, um, you know, for all the, for all the most love that we saw last year, I know he picked it up the last like five games of the year leading into the playoffs where he became the lead dog. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Tevin Coleman missed a lot of time and kind of mm-hmm. 
injury injury to he got he got Wally Pipped in a way like it, you know he he worked his way out of the rotation because of injuries not not necessarily based on his his playing and Jarek McKinnon was absent so now you add McKinnon back to the to the mix Tevin Coleman's going to be healthy um, even in the times that uh, Mostert took the lead back the lead back role only once did he see more than fourteen carries and that was a nineteen carry. 146 yard day against Baltimore. Um, but he only passed a hundred yards once he wasn't really involved in the passing game. I know they don't pass the running backs, but I know there's, they're extremely run heavy in San Francisco, but for me to take him as my RB two, I would have to make sure that I was going to also acquire another guy with similar upside as like, say a JK Dobbins or a Mark Ingram in a rotation style run uh, backfield like in Baltimore. Yeah, no. And I think that's fair. And like, as I mentioned, we always want to get the later guy. Like Tevin Coleman was the guy that was going way too early last year. Um, and if you drafted him, you were disappointed. Uh, that being said, his ADP has kind of adjusted to meet uh, Mostert. So like he, he was in March, he was 133 while everyone was, on the most hype train. Now he's in inside the top 100. Um, I'm going to be very curious to keep an eye over the next few weeks to see how their ADP shift and how close they get. If let's say they're both seventh or eighth round picks and, and they're both sitting there, is it just to skip and go to McKinnon or find <laughs> value elsewhere? Or oh, if, man. if you had to choose one and that you're in the eighth round, you need a running back. They're both sitting there. Who are you taking? Uh, you know, I'm probably still going to ride the Tevin Coleman train just based on his, uh, you know, him, him having experience with Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, I, it's one of those situations where I will probably try to avoid at all costs, maybe taking McKinnon as like a, a fourth option at the, at the running back position. But yeah, it's, it's not something that excites me. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get it. Like, but you know, in in that range, there's not former former teammate Matt. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna look in like the like Damian Williams, J.K. Dobbins, Ronald Jones. I think we're taking all three of those guys over a Niners running back, aren't we? Oh, I'm definitely taking Rojo. Hey, let's talk about it. <laughs> uh, all right, Brian. This was a lot of fun. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you mash that thumbs up, hit the subscribe. Let us know what you're doing with these players. Are you not drafting any of them? Are you drafting any of them? Do you have another player that you think you're really not sure what to do with at their ADP? Let us know in the comments. We're always down to, to chat. You can also hit us up on our personal Twitters, uh, as you can see there, at GreasyRules14, at NotoriousKRO, at FPAOP on Twitter. Uh, we are on Instagram at F. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. I forget what the link is. Uh, but if you're on Instagram, throw us a follow there. Just look up Angle of Pursuit. You'll probably find us. Uh, if you're into NASCAR, into sports betting, we're here every week previewing the races. We'll be here to talk some more fantasy football. Like I said, we're talking zero RP next. Uh, we're here to help you get ready for a fantasy season and hopefully take home that fantasy championship. But for Brian Twining, I'm Kyle Robert, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Peace.